0: O Passage to India, Chapter 24, Part 3 But his last words brought on another storm, and suddenly a new name. Mrs. Moore burst on the court like a whirlwind. Mahmoud Ali had been enraged, his nerves snapped. He shrieked like a maniac, and asked whether his client was charged with murder as well as rape, and who was this second English lady. I don't propose to call her. You don't because you can't. You have smuggled her out of the country. She is Mrs. Moore. She would have proved his innocence. She was on our side. She was poor Indian's friend. You could have called her yourself, cried the magistrate. Neither side called her. Neither must quote her as evidence. She was kept from us until too late. I learned too late. This is English justice. Here is your British Raj. Give us back, Mrs. Moore, for five minutes only, and she will save my friend. She will save the name of her sons. Don't rule her out. Mr. Das, take back those words, as well as you yourselves are a father. Tell me where they have put her. Oh, Mrs. Moore, if the point is of any interest, my mother should have reached Aden," said Ronnie dryly. He ought not to have intervened, but the onslaught has startled him. Imprisoned by you there because she knew the truth. He was almost out of his mind and could be heard saying above the tumult. I ruined my career no matter. We are all to be ruined by one by one. This is no way to defend your case. Counsel the magistrate. I am not defending a case. Nor are you trying one. We are both of us slaves, Mr. Mahmood Ali, I have already warned you. And unless you sit down, I shall exercise my authority. Do so. This trial is a farce. I am going. And he handed his papers to Amrit Rao and left, calling from the door hysterionically yet with intense passion, Aziz! Aziz! Farewell for The tumult increased. The invocation of Mrs. Moore continued, and people who did not know what the syllables meant repeated them like a charm. They became indonized into S. Miss S. Moore. They were taken up in the street outside. In vain, the magistrate threatened and expelled. Until the magic exhausted itself, he was powerless. Unexpected, remarked Mr. Turton. Ronnie furnished the explanation before she sailed. His mother had taken to talk about the marabar in her sleep, especially in the afternoon when servants were on the veranda and heard disjointed remarks on Aziz had doubtless been sold to Mahmud Ali for a few annas. That kind of thing never ceases in the East. I thought they would try something of the sort. Ingenious. He looked into their wide open mouths. They get just like that over their religion, he added calmly. Start and can't stop. I'm sorry for your old das. He's not getting much of a show. Mr. Heathcliff, how disgraceful dragging in your dear mother... Said Mr. Red, bending forward. It's just a trick and they happen to pull it off. Now one sees why they had Mahmood Ali just to make a scene on the chance. It is his speciality. But he disliked it more than he should. It was revolting to hear his mother travested into S. Miss Moore, a Hindu goddess. Ronnie. Yes, old girl. Isn't it all queer? I'm afraid. It's very upsetting for you. Not the least. I don't mind it. Well, that's good. She had spoken more naturally and healthily than usual. Bending into the middle of her friends, she said, Don't worry about me. I am much better than I was. I don't feel the least faint. I shall be all right. And thank you all. Thank you. Thank you for your kindness. She had to shout her gratitude for the chant as Miss went on. <laughs> Suddenly it stopped. It was as if the prayer had been heard and the relics exhibited. I apologize for my colleague, said Mr. Amrit Rao, rather to everyone's surprise. He is an intimate friend of our client and his feelings have carried him away. Mr. Mahmood Ali will have to apologize in person, the magistrate said. Exactly sir." So. He must. But we had just learned that Mrs. Moore had important evidence which she desired to give. She was hurried out of the country by her son before she could give it. And this unthinked Mr. Mahmood Ali, coming as it does upon an attempt to intimidate our only other European witness, Mr. Fielding. Mr. Mahmood Ali would have said nothing had not Mr. M- Mrs. Moore been claimed as a witness by the police. He sat down. An extraneous element is being introduced into the case, said the magistrate. I must repeat that as a witness Mrs. Moore does not exist. Neither you, Mr. Amrit Rao, nor Mr. McBride, you, have any right to surmise what that lady would have said. She is not here and consequently she can say nothing. Well, I withdraw my reference said the superintendent purely. I would have done so 15 minutes ago if I had been given the chance. She is not of the least importance to me. I've already withdrawn it for the defense, he added with forensic humor. Perhaps you can persuade the gentleman outside to withdraw it too, for the refrain in the street continued. I'm afraid my powers do not extend so far, said Das, smiling. So peace was restored, and when Adela came to give her evidence, the atmosphere was quieter than it had been since the beginning of the trial. Experts were not surprised. There is no stay in your native. He blazes up over a minor point, and this he had found in the supposed abduction of an old lady. He would now be less aggrieved when Aziz was deported. But the crisis was still to come. Adela had always meant to tell the truth and nothing but the truth, and she had rehearsed this as a difficult task, difficult because her disaster in the cave was connected through by a thread with another part of her life, her engagement to Ronnie. She had thought of love just before she went in and had innocently asked Aziz what marriage was like, and she supposed that her question had aroused evil in him. To recount this would have been incredibly painful. It was the one point she wanted to keep obscure. She was willing to give details that would have distressed other girls. But this story of her private failure she dared not to allude to. And she dreaded being examined in public in case something came out. But as soon as she rose to reply and heard the sound of her own voice, she feared not even that. A new and unknown sensation protected her like magnificent armor. She didn't think what had happened or even remember in the ordinary way of memory. But she returned to the Marabar Hills and spoke from then across a sort of darkness to Mr. McBride. The fatal day recurred in every detail, but now she was of it and not of it at the same time. And this double relation gave it indescribable splendor why had she thought the expedition done now the sun rose again the elephant waited the pale masses of the rock flowed round her and presented the first key she entered and a match was reflected in the polished walls all beautiful and significant though she had been blind to it at the time questions were asked and to ease she found the exact reply Yes, she had noticed the tank of the dagger, but not known its name. Yes, Mrs. Moore had been tired after the first cave and sat in the shadow of a great rock near the dried-up mud. Smoothly, the voice in the distance proceeded, leading along the paths of truth, and the airs from the panka behind her wafted her on. The prisoner and the guide took you onto the kawadol, no one else being present. The most wonderfully shaped of those hills, yes, as she spoke, she created the Kawadul, saw the niches of the curves of the stone and felt the heat strike her face and something caused her to add, no one else was present to my knowledge, we appeared to be alone, very well. There is a ledge halfway up the hill, or broken ground rather, with the caves scattered near the beginning of our Nala. I know where you mean. You went alone into one of those caves. That is quite correct. And the prisoner followed you. Now we have got him from the major. She was silent. The court, the place of question, awaited her reply, but she could not give it until Aziz entered the place of answer. "'The prisoner followed you, didn't he?' he repeated in the monotonous tone that they both used. They were employing agreed words throughout, so that this part of the proceedings held no surprises. "'May I have half a minute before I reply to that, Mr. McBride?' "'Certainly.' her vision was of several caves she saw herself in one and she was also outside it watching its entrance for Aziz to pass in she failed to locate him it was the doubt that had often visited her but solid and attractive like the hills I'm not speech was more difficult than vision I am not quite sure I beg your pardon said the superintendent of police I cannot be sure I didn't catch that answer. He looked scared, his mouth shut with a sniff. You are on that landing, or whatever we term it, and you have entered a cave. I suggest to you that the prisoner followed you. She shook her head. What do you mean, please? No, she said in a flat, unattractive voice. Slight noises began in various parts of the room, but no one yet understood what was occurring except... Fielding. He was that she was going to have a nervous breakdown and that his friend was saved. What is that? What are you saying? Speak up, please. The magistrate bent forward. I'm afraid I have made a mistake. What nature of mistake? Dr. Aziz never followed me into the cave. The superintendent slammed down this paper then picked them up and said calmly, now miss quested let us go on i will read you the words of the deposition which you signed two hours later in my bungalow excuse me mr mcbride you cannot go on i am speaking to the witness myself and the public will be silent if it continues to talk i have the code cleared miss quested address your remarks to me who am the magistrate in charge of the case and realized their extreme gravity. Remember, you speak on oath, as questioned. Dr. Aziz never. I stopped these proceedings on medical grounds, cried the major on a word from Turton. And all the English rose from their chairs at once, large white figures behind which the little magistrate was hidden. The Indians rose too. Hundreds of things went on at once. So that afterwards, each person gave a different account of the catastrophe. You withdraw the charge. Answer me, shrieked the representative of justice. Something that she did not understand took hold of the girl and pulled her through. Though the vision was over and she had returned to the insipidity of the world, she remembered what she had learned atonement and confession. They could wait. It was in hard, prosaic tones that she said, I withdraw everything. Enough. Sit down. Mr. McBride, do you wish to continue in the face of this? The superintendent gazed at his witness as if she was a broken machine and said, Are you mad? Don't question her, sir. You have no longer the right. Give me time to consider. Sahib, you will have to withdraw. This became a scandal boomed the Nawab Bahadur, suddenly from the back of the court. He shall not, shouted Mrs. Turton against the gathering tumult. Call the other witnesses. We are none of us safe. Ronnie tried to check her, and she gave him an irritable blow, then screamed insults at Adela. The superintendent moved to the support of his friends, saying non to the magistrate, as he did so, Right, I withdraw. Mr. Das Rose, nearly dead with the strain, he had controlled the case, just controlled it. He had shown that an Indian can preside. To those who could hear him, he said, The prisoner is released without one stain on his character. The question of cost will be decided elsewhere. And then the filmy framework of the court broke up. The shouts of derision and race culminated. People screamed and cursed, kissed one another wept passionately here were the english whom their servants protected their aziz fainted in hamidullah's arms victory on this side defeat on that complete for one moment was the antithesis then life returned to its complexities person after person struggled out of the room to their various purposes and before long no one remained on the scene of the fantasy but the beautiful naked god Unaware that anything unusual had occurred, he continued to pull the cord of a spanka, to gaze at the empty dyes and the overturned special chairs, and rhythmically to agitate the clouds of descending dust.